welcome to our latest episode. This is exciting because you get a nice little glimpse into the characterization of Keela today. This is our first Bond episode. So if you're not familiar with fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons, what a Bond is, is essentially it's something that you do in character creation. And it's pretty much a story hook for a DM to use and bring into the campaign. So today we get to look at Keela's bond, the thing that keeps her going. But first, I want to read a couple of reviews that we have received. So the first one is called Great Roleplay Heavy D&D by Edcar101. And they say, all of the women on the show have done a great job weaving a story together that has a great deal of depth with dashes of humor. I just listened to the first nine episodes in a single week. Yes, you binged. And I'm looking forward to more. Well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're... I guess binge worthy because that that's really cool. Uh, we have another one. Uh, it's called A Great Show with Great Potential Too, uh, by Aaron Bell. This show is really great. Not only does it start solid, it just keeps getting better. Yeah, thank you. I can't wait to see where it goes from here. Seriously, these women are awesome. Well, I'm kind of fanning myself right now, so thank you. I'm blushing. Um, that's, <laughs> that's really nice for you to say. Uh, so yeah, keep those reviews coming. Tweet us and email us. We really want your emails. The broads at thebroadswords.com. Tweet us at thebroadswords and come chat with us in our Facebook group. All right, let's get to it, shall we? Yolaris, Kila, and Maypri have caught the attention of the most powerful woman in Rashomon, and arguably of all Faerun. Lady Yalbruna, Offlor of Rashomon, heart of the Hathrin, gathers a circle in order to peer into the pasts of our heroines. You're listening to the Broadswords. Starring Tracy Gibbons as Keela, the High Elf Bard. I'm just generally not impressed. Kristen Flemons as Ularis, the Half Elf Wizard. Dragon like. Oh boy. And Bianca Zelda as May Pre, the tiefling barbarian. She's gonna just like take the pickle out of your hand with her mouth. And me, Victoria Rogers, your DM. In a clearing in the Erling Wood stand four masked women, encircled by water. Each stand at a cardinal compass point, with their arms outstretched. Lady Yelbruna, Offlor of Rashomon, focuses her attention on the summoned 
pool of water in the center of the witch's circle. The water swirls for long moments until an image of Keela in meditation on her bed in the green chapel forms. Lady Yelbruna studies the High Elf, noting the scar across her face and the tattoo adorning her left temple. She flicks her wrist, and the image moves to view the rest of the room. The contents of Keela's backpack are strewn haphazardly around the room. A tunic hangs off of a wall sconce. A stocking lays across the back of the chair. And is that a torch sticking out of the center of her loot? Lady Yelbruna arches a brow, notes the spilled water on the nightstand, and focuses her attention back onto the still form of Keela. Knowing her intention, the other Hathren of the Circle begin to chant. Rain is coming down in torrents. Thunder booms overhead and the wind whips around you. Your cloak is sodden and is plastered against your body. You can barely see two feet in front of you. You wipe hair from your eyes and it promptly sticks back to your forehead. Your boots squelch in the muddy road. There are lights up ahead. And in a flash of lightning, you can see the outline of a two-storied building just off the side of the road. What do you do? Keela is definitely not enjoying this weather outside, so she is going to go straight for that two-storied building. You come to an open gate and go through into the courtyard. And to your right are stables, and ahead is a two-storied Tudor building with a thatched roof. There's a wooden door in the center with a thick-paned window on either side of the door. Before she goes into the two-sided building, she's going to pop her head in the stables. You go into the stable. You have to push the stable door aside. You can see six horse heads peering over the edges of their stall doors, all looking at you. All of them are done in strawberry roan. But at the far end of the stables, you see a tall, lanky man of about 30. He has long, golden blonde hair that, due to the rain, has frizzed out in a great mass of waves. And he is lounging on a pile of hay, smoking a pipe. I'm going to fish in my bag and pull out some... Would they have mints in Faerun? Uh, A peppermint, like a peppermint chew or something like that, yeah. Yeah, okay, so we're going to just say that I'm carrying around some peppermint chews, and I approach each of the horses and give them a peppermint chew each and a little, you know, pat between the eyes. 
And uh, as I get nearer to the gentleman, I nod towards him and say, Evening, sir. He looks up, actually, as you enter. And he watches you unconcerned as you feed the horses. The horses gum at the chews, kind of one slobbers kind of a little bit over your hand as you go to take it. Um, and they're, they're all rather friendly uh, and seem quite content to chew happily on the treats that you have offered them. And when you speak, the man looks up, well, looks directly to you as opposed to watching you feed his animals. Mm-hmm. And he nods. Lovely weather we're having, isn't it? He smiles at that and takes a pull of his pipe and blows smoke rings. So you're the horse master? I Could, uh, on the morrow, I perhaps rent one of your horses? These aren't for rent. And he takes another pull on his pipe. Are they uh, cart horses? He doesn't answer you because he just looks at the horses and then looks at you and arches a brow. These are not cart horses, and you can tell this just by looking at them. They are beautiful, and they are tall, and they are strong. These are war horses. I'm going to take that as my cue to leave and give him a nod and make my way towards the inn. As you approach the inn, a gust of wind slams the wooden sign hanging above the door up against the gutter. You can make out a picture of a harp encircled by seven golden birds before the wind picks up again and the sign slams against the gutter again and again and again, creating a rhythmic thump with each gust. Through the raging storm, you can just make out the sounds of music and laughter from within. So you go to enter the inn? Yep. Okay, can you please give me a dexterity check? DC 12. Eight. As you go to, to pull open the door, a gust of wind pounds against the wall, and you lose your balance because the door is flung open and out of your grasp and knocks it against the the side of the building. You fall backward into a puddle and the common room within erupts into laughter. Oh, geez. Um, I stand up and brush some mud off of my ass walk inside and just sort of wave at everyone in that really awkward fashion when you're trying to just dismiss yourself and just say, guess I can't open doors. People (laughs) laugh and have a good chuckle as you dust yourself off and wipe the mud off your cloak and you, you go inside. Can I please have a perception check? God. I am just, I am rolling like crap today. (laughs) Five. The inn is warm, and you breathe in the scent of fire smoke, stew, and fresh sweet grass, which is strewn across the floor. It looks like it had just been replaced earlier in the day, as it is not quite broken up from people trampling all over it yet. 
There are several tables with chairs within this common room, and there are about a handful of travelers sitting about, all looking and smiling at the man up by the fire, playing some, like, folk music, some happy folk music on the panpipes. People are watching it, and they are smiling, and there's one man bouncing his knee in time. Behind the bar is a bald man of middling years, um, dressed in plain but clean linen tunic and breeches, and he smiles as you enter, his crow's feet crinkling in a pleasant manner. Okay, I'm going to approach the bartender and order an ale. Evening, says the bartender. What you can be having? Ale, please. And what kind of ale would you be liking? We've got a dark ale. We've got a barley ale. Dark ale will do. As the missus wishes. And he turns around and he goes over to a wooden a wooden keg and he pours you a pint of dark ale. He turns back around and he places it in front of you on the bar. It's a silver piece, ma'am. I pay him. And then I'm going to take my ale and I'm going to approach the gentleman playing at the front um, and I'm going to pull out my loot. So I'll, I'll pull up perhaps a bar stool to sit on and another one to place my ale and then uh, pull out my loot and just start, start kind of jamming with him. All right. Give us a performance roll. I really wanted to do this roll. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I got a, I got a one. <laughs> Your loot is really out of key, and it it has been water damaged, actually, from all of the rain, and it does not sound good at all. And the man playing the pan pipes, he has a big, bushy, blonde beard. His face is marked with laugh lines as he plays. He grins. You can see this grin from behind his his panpipes as he just continues playing. I think I can probably read the room here and see that my performance is not going over well. So after one song, I'm going to put my loot away and just quietly sit in the corner by myself to finish my ale. I don't need to draw any more attention to myself at this point. (laughs) You sit down in the empty table in the corner and this table is next to a couple seated um, in the table next to you and they are playing a game of dice and when you sit down they they look over at you and smile the woman says hey do you play dice better than you do the loot i guess there's one way to find out come on over and they they slide their their seats over to the side so you can bring a chair over at their table I bring my chair over and sit down with them and plop my ale down. And also, I'll shout to the bartender to get me another ale because at this point I've finished my first. Um, and the bartender, he, he gives a nod and he goes to get another ale poured for you. In the meantime, the man, uh, he has a tussled black hair and a thick Tom Selleck mustache. <laughs> uh, his, his clothing is made of homespun. Um, so it's very plain, um, but you can tell that it's very lovingly made. There's a lot of embroidery on it. Um, while it might not be the most elaborate of embroidery, it is 
it was nice and you can tell it was done with love. <laughs> he grins at you and he he puts out a, a thick, strong hand and says, I'm John. This is Mira. I'm Kila. Well, it's good to meet you, Kira. Not many folks come through these parts in this time of year. Sir, I'm going to stop you. It's, it's Kila with an L. Thank you. Mira, she laughs. She says, uh, his hearing isn't all that great. You please forgive my husband. Anyways, it's nice to meet you. Ah, and he smiles and he's like, it's nice to meet you too, Kira. So um, as an aside here, Kira's just given up at this point and is just like, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to correct him again. I'm just going to win some of his money. All right, let's play some dice. (laughs) I won't shout them for the rest of this, by the way. (laughs) All right. And he he looks over. Do you got your own? I do. And I pull out my set of dice. So I have actually a very nice set of dice. They have black and white tones, kind of like marbly black and white tones with white numbering on them. He kind of looks at them. His are very plain wooden dice, and he admires yours. And he looks back up at you and says, What you be ragerin'? And as he asks that, the innkeeper comes over with your ale, and he sets it down at the table, and he looks over at John and says, Hey, John, you be going easy on the missus, eh? And Mira laughs, and she says, Going easy? John don't go easy on no one. You know it. And John just gives you a great big cheesy grin. Oh boy. Okay, so I'll bet five coppers. Five copper, John says. And he looks over at Mira. Silver, go home, girly. Alright, I'll bet a silver. Silver. And he tosses a silver onto the table. Mira does the same. All right. You roll them dice there. Can you roll me a percentage dice? So to your um, your 2d10. Apparently I've never used my d10 for percentages before. Here we go. So you, you have two of them. You have the one with the zeros and the ones without the zeros. So the ones with the zeros, that will be your first number. And then the other one will be the second number. Yeah, it's zero, zero, five. John rolled a 55 and Mira rolls a 15. John laughs and he reaches over and slides the three silver over to his side of the table. All right, let's uh, let's sweeten the pot a little bit. And he puts in. One gold piece. Mira just looks at John and shakes her head, but at the same time, she puts in a gold. I match it. John rolls. John rolls a 72. Mira rolls a 25. I rolled a 73! And what does Keela do when she rolls a 73? She she stays calm. She, she wants to get excited, but she just puts a calm expression on her face and just pulls the money towards her and then says, that's enough for me. I would rather leave on a high note. Good evening, folks. And then um, 
I go to the bartender and ask for a room. Okay, so you take your three gold, and John looks at you and he's like, ah, that's no fun. And Mira just laughs. She thinks this is hilarious. <laughs> and um, the innkeeper's like, ah, we can get you a room. And he reaches into the back um, area and takes out a key with the number two on it. Just out round back, he says. All right. Um, I'm going to gather all my things and I'm going to follow his directions and go into my room. The room is is plain. There is a small single bed and a washstand with a wash basin. The quilts that are on the bed are, are thick and well made. Mm-hmm. It's plain. Um, there isn't much in this room, but it is clean and serviceable. Okay, so first I'm going to use the wash basin and take a bath. And after I do, I will retire to my bed so that I can meditate. You wake up shivering. You're still damp, and the air on your skin feels cool and dank. Water is dripping faintly in the background. You are in a cave. Can you please give me a perception shake? Oh shit, I guess I drank too much last night. Five! (laughs) That actually does it. This was a very easy perception shake. (laughs) Thank god. Your belongings are with you in the cave. But there's one thing missing. Something very important to you. The bagpipes. They're gone. Keela just flies into a panic. She's frantically searching all her bags, frantically searching everywhere around this small area that she's in, and she's letting out a string of profanities all the while. It's not there. You can't see it. Yeah, Keela is very upset at this point, and cursing and but kind of quietly because I mean she still doesn't know where she is and what's going on so she's quietly cursing and definitely tearing up it's just you in a cave there is an opening further up the cave wall opposite you but it's about 15 feet upwards in the air on the on the rock face Okay, I'm going to gather my things and try and make my way towards that exit. So you're going to climb up? Yep. Okay, give me a either athletics or acrobatics, whichever way, whichever way you want to do this. DC 12. Seven. You slip. The, the wall is, is slightly damp. There's moss on this wall, and your foot doesn't quite get purchase, and you, you can't get that initial step up the rock face. Oh, jeez. Did I, did I, like, fall, or did I just not get up at all? You just didn't get up. Okay, I'm going to try again, then. Okay. Eleven. This time, you scrape your knee. Oh, well, this is going great. I guess I'll try again. 17. Third time's a charm. So you managed to to climb up onto the ledge. Now your knee hurts. 
It, you know, you scraped it. You didn't really do any damage for you, but it hurts. Yeah. And it, you'd probably want to clean that out because it might get infected. Um, just do the fact that the rock wall was kind of gross. But you are on a ledge and you see a short tunnel that le- just goes maybe not too far, maybe only five feet, um, and then it, it turns to the right. And you can see light coming from around the corner. And this has been the light source within your cave that you were in before. So I'm just going to approach that light source and try and get outside. You round the corner and enter another small chamber within this cave system. And there are three giant beetles that are scuttling about this chamber. And their bodies emit a reddish glow. Okay, uh, how big is the chamber? And how far away from them am I? This chamber is about 30 by 20. And they are about 15 feet away from you. Okay, and can I see any other exits from this room other than the one I just came out of? Off to your left, there seems to be a tunnel. Okay, um, how big are these beetles and do I recognize them? Uh, Give me a nature check. Four. You do not recognize these, um, but they are a foot tall, foot and a half long. Okay, I don't really feel like bothering them, so I'm going to quietly skirt around the outside of the cave towards that other exit. Okay, so you're going to give me a stealth check, please. 17. You are very successful because they are not very wise at all. Explain how that looks like, you sneaking around. My back is against the wall, and I hold my hands to it just so I can stay close to it and just quietly go in a sideways motion, scurrying along that wall. So you get into that little tunnel, and this system, it continues on. Um, And this tunnel actually is not very long at all. It's actually only, like, about two feet um, long because this opens into a much larger cavern. This this cavern is huge. And the sound of dripping water is louder here. Stalactites and stalagmites litter the area all over the place. And there is a small pool of water beneath a big stalactite. This is the source of the dripping water that you've been hearing. I'm going to approach the pool of water and just go to um, see if it's fresh water, see if I can drink it and maybe splash my face, wash my hands, try and clear my head a little bit and also clean my knee. It is thick water. Um, It looks fresh. It smells fresh, but it's got like a mineral flavor to it. Okay, as long as it's not salt water, I'll just keep drinking it and then splash a bit on my knee and uh, splash a bit on my face. When you're, you're finished cleaning yourself, you feel something on your right middle finger. 
Something smooth and heavy. What is it? There is a silver ring. Plain. No decoration. And it wasn't there before? Nope. I am going to try and take it off. It doesn't come off. I'm going to try harder. (laughs) It doesn't come off. It doesn't even move. Okay, can I maybe do a perception check and, like, pull it up to my face and see if I can see anything? Yeah, you know what? You've already noticed it, so I think that this would be more of an investigation roll. Nine. You don't see anything. It's just a smooth silver ring. It is about a centimeter uh, thick. Well, there's not much that I can do about that right now, so is there another exit that uh, I can maybe aim for? That you would need to give me a perception check for. 19. The only exit that you can discern is about 30 feet up. There's a ledge, and you can feel cool air coming from up there. Cool, fresh sea air. Okay, I'm going to... So you said this, is there like something I can climb to get to that ledge? Or is there a way I can get up there? There's a rock face that you can climb. It's it's pocked with, with footholds. It's quite climbable. Okay, I'm going to climb that. All right, this is more athletics or acrobatics. Which do you so choose? Acrobatics. Okay. Nine. You make it about ten feet up. But again, you slip and you fall doing four damage. Why don't you explain what this fall looks like and how you got that damage? Okay, so I went to reach for a handhold and my hand slipped and it shifted my weight and I couldn't support it because I had scraped my knee earlier. And I just fall straight onto my onto my butt. Like, it's quite painful and jarring and I sit for a second trying to collect myself because it really hurt. You bruise your tailbone. Yep. But I don't see another choice, so after taking a second to collect myself, I go for it again. Okay. 18. You managed to climb up there. Explain how you are acrobatically climbing up this rock face. Well, it's actually not very acrobatic because I'm injured in two places. So I'm mostly using just my upper body and a little bit of one leg to flop upwards until I eventually get to the top and I really need to catch my breath because I'm exhausted and my upper body is very sore. As you lay on this ledge, you can see a fissure in the rock um, next to you. And if you went sideways and maybe dragged your pack along uh, behind you, you'd be able to fit. This is where the fresh air is coming from. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to squeeze through sideways and try and get my pack with me. At one point, your pack catches on something and you, it's stuck. You're, you, you can't, you're having a hard time getting it out. Give me a strength check. 18. You pull that sucker out of its stuck position, (laughs) but the force of it releasing causes you to go flying out of this cave system and you land in a muddy puddle outside. 
This is this is not Keela's day. <laughs> it's sunny though, and you are out on the storm coast. And about twenty feet ahead of you is the main road north to Daggerford, the same road that you were on the night before. I am going to brush all of the mud off of myself and march towards the road, looking both determined and angry. How does she feel right now? She is not feeling so great right now. Um, Her bagpipes are missing. A mysterious ring has appeared. She's fallen on her ass twice. She has a bruised tailbone and a scraped knee. And she doesn't know where she is. Give me a perception check. Eight. Yeah, you're, you're on the storm coast. You're on the road. You don't know where you are. Except that you you roughly know just by your view of the coast. You're a bit closer to Daggerford than you were yesterday, but not by much. What do those bagpipes mean to Keela? So those bagpipes are Keela's most prized possession. They were given to her by her former lover, before he died, and it's the last thing of his that she still has. So she's losing the only thing that holds her to the only person that she's really ever loved in her whole life. And the thing about Keela is that she really internalizes a lot of her feelings, even when she's hurting as badly as she is now. And she is determined to get away from everything that just happened. She just wants to go to Daggerford and ask around, but she doesn't want to go back to that last town that she was in. So she is stomping along the side of the road. She is angry. She is crying, even though she's trying as hard as she can to hold it back. So she's crying and her hands are balled in fists and she is walking very briskly and very angrily. In her circle, Lady Yelbruna frowns. She leans forward at the waist and starts to twist her fingers in a spiral motion. The pool of water responds to her command, and Keela's life begins to rewind before her eyes. In the green chapel, in her bed, Keela stirs. Yelbruna smiles, stops the water from its movement, and watches. It was a silent night, the only sound in the dim being the crackling of a fire. And beside the crackling fire, you see two figures, 
can tell they're close. They're sitting directly beside each other. One is a man and one is a woman. And the man has his arms around her shoulder and she's leaning her head on his shoulder. They aren't speaking, but you get the feeling that they're so close that they don't particularly need to. The man excuses himself and digs through his pack and he produces a set of bagpipes. He turns to the woman and he says to her, these have been passed through my family for generations. My father taught me how to play. His mother taught him how to play. And her father taught her how to play, just as I will be teaching you. He tells her that he loves her and that she is the only person that he has shown these two in his life other than his own father. And she holds them lovingly and they kiss. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.